The Leslie Marshall Show, a true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, the people. afternoon and welcome to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Grimaldi in for Leslie Marshall joining you for the next hour. I am joined as almost always by a very good friend of the show, Brad Bannon. Brad runs Bannon Communications Research, a polling, message development, and media firm which helps labor unions, progressive issue groups, and Democratic candidates win public affairs and political campaigns. Brad's also a senior advisor to and contributing editor for the website Tiller4U.com. That's T-I-L-L-E-R, the number four, Y-O-U.com, which is the social media network for politics. He lectures in political science at Salem State University in Salem, Massachusetts. You can follow him on Twitter at Brad Bannon. That's B-R-A-D-B-A-N-N-O-N. You can follow myself, Mark Grimaldi, if you'd like to, at Mark J. Grimaldi. That's M-A-R-K-J-G-R-I-M-A-L-D-I. And today we are going to be talking uh, about a number of topics, but we're going to start off with the danger of Donald Trump's rigged election claims. And before I bring Brad on, I'm actually going to play some new audio from President Obama on this topic that just came out today. The notion that somehow if Mr. Trump loses Florida, it's because of... Those people that you have to watch out for, that is both irresponsible and, by the way, doesn't really show the kind of leadership and toughness that you'd want out of a president. If you start whining before the game's even over, if, 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 if whenever things are going badly for you and you lose, you start blaming somebody else, then you don't have what it takes to be in this job. And so... Uh, I'd advise Mr. Trump to stop whining and go try to make his case to get votes. And if he got the most votes, then it would be my expectation of Hillary Clinton to offer a gracious concession speech and pledge to work with him in order to make sure that the American people benefit from an effective government. And it would be my job to welcome Mr. Trump, regardless of what he said about me, or my differences with him on my opinions, and escort him over to this capital in which there would be a peaceful transfer of power. That's what Americans do. That's why America's already great. Brad, uh, regarding that topic as well, I want to share some of this piece from Politico's Eli Stokels called Trump Faces His Fate, which was published yesterday. Quote, uh, with more than 60 percent of voters viewing him unfavorably, Trump enters the final three weeks until Election Day down by 7.1 points in a four-way race with he, Hillary Clinton, 
uh, Gary Johnson and Jill Stein, according to Real Clear Politics. Clinton has a 20-point edge with women and has coalesced her party behind her, while Trump's percentage of support from Republicans recently dipped below the 80% mark. His disastrous October is giving Democrats late hopes of an electoral wave that could return their bygone majorities and even turn red states like Arizona, Georgia, and Utah blue. Uh, this past Saturday, Trump escalated his months-long effort to undermine the legitimacy of the election itself to plant the seeds of a narrative that would explain how a self-declared winner might lose big in the most public and consequential venture of his entire career. Campaigning throughout New Hampshire and Maine, he spouted the same unsubstantiated claim that the election is, quote, rigged against him. Quote, the election is being rigged by corrupt media pushing completely false allegations and outright lies in an effort to elect her president, Trump said, referencing the numerous women who have come forward in recent days to say that Trump had groped or sexually assaulted them. Unsurprisingly, after hearing this rhetoric from the Republican nominee, a new Politico morning consult poll shows that 41% of voters in that poll say the election could be stolen from Trump. Mike Pence and Paul Ryan have had to come out in the past couple days and say they have full faith in the electoral process and that they'll accept the results. And then you just heard President Obama uh, in the last couple hours on this same topic. So, Brad, I, I want to know your opinion on what are the dangers of Trump's claims that the election is rigged against him. Well, uh, there are a couple of uh, real big problems with uh, Trump's claim. Uh, first one is it's self-destructive. Uh, Paul Ryan and many other Republicans uh, have come out uh, and said very publicly uh, that Trump should be, shouldn't be saying these things. And one of the reasons uh, Republicans are really flipped out about this is they're worried if Trump tells uh, his supporters uh, that the election is rigged, they won't bother, come out and vote, period. And if they're not coming out to vote in the presidential race, that means they're not coming out to vote in congressional races. So Republicans are scared that uh, Trump's rhetoric is going to drive down Republican turnout. Uh, so they're very concerned about uh, this. Now, the, uh, the other big problem, and it's a bigger problem, uh, is we if uh, Hillary Clinton wins uh, and Donald Trump says, well, you know, it's rigged, uh, that, you know, that cat, you know, that really takes away from the legitimacy of a president. Uh, and, you know, the, whether we have a Republican president or a Democratic president, uh, the president has to be uh, has to be legit. And Donald Trump's essentially saying, well, you know, she won, but it was rigged and she He's not really going to be president. Uh, that makes uh, democracy in this country, uh, it puts it in worse shape than it is. And I think what's happening here, and this is, again, a sad reflection on Donald Trump, I think uh, he's come to the conclusion uh, that he's going to lose this election. And I think that he probably will. And I think what he's doing here is making excuses for himself. Uh, well, you know, I could have beat Hillary Clinton if we had a fair election that wasn't rigged. Uh, I didn't have a chance, regardless of what I did, uh, because it was rigged uh, for Hillary Clinton to, to, to win. And I think he can't accept the fact that Hillary Clinton could beat him. Uh, and so, therefore, he's saying it wasn't a fair fight. She really didn't. Uh, she didn't really uh, beat me. And although this may feel, make Trump's ego feel better, it's dangerous.
dangerous for the country uh, because we need a legitimate president uh, who can act on behalf of the American public, uh, whether that president's Democrat and Republican. That's the only way the system will function. Uh, and uh, Trump's undermining that, I think, out of pure selfishness. Yeah, Brad, I think those points make a whole lot of sense. And the other thing that, you know, I think you were starting to allude to that greatly concerns me is the danger of a lot of supporters of Donald Trump thinking, first of all, during Election Day, this unprecedented step of him to encourage his supporters to monitor other people who are voting. And a lot of them, you know, they you had Trump supporters show, them, show up at a Democratic Party headquarters this past weekend armed and stand outside brandishing weapons for 12 hours, um, which I think would be very intimidating, you know, personally, if I saw that happening. And the other thing is, so first of all, on Election Day, and then second of all, if Hillary Clinton does win, you know, these same supporters are being told by the candidate that they support if the election was quote unquote rigged, then, you know, a lot of people, or I shouldn't say a lot, but enough Trump supporters where it hasn't been an isolated incident have talked about uh, rising up and revolting against the government. And that, I believe, could lead to violence um, against, you know, people that they perceive have quote unquote stolen the election from them. Um, you even had Trump allude to previously that if Hillary Clinton won, that quote-unquote Second Amendment people might be able to do something to stop her from nominating Supreme Court justices. So, you know, he's encouraged violence at his own rallies. I mean, it's been well documented. So that's something that greatly concerns me during the election, during Election Day and beyond. So I think you bring up some really strong points regarding that. And it's, I mean, it's honestly scary, Brad, because, you know, previously, whatever you thought about John McCain or Mitt Romney, you know, those elections definitely got you saw those candidates give, you know, concession speech, speeches the night of the election, and as President Obama said, give a peaceful transfer of power. And I just, you know, I, anybody who tries to predict Trump, I, I think even if they think they know him, is, you know, just taking a huge gamble. And I think you're right. I think he's setting up to give himself an excuse if he loses, but I also wonder if he only insulates himself in this bubble, which he seems to increasingly be doing so, of people who say anything that he wants to hear, they're going to tell him the same thing, this election has been stolen. And I honestly, I think if he loses, Brad, I really wonder if he will even give a concession speech. I mean, I think I, anybody who, who thinks that's out of the realm of possibilities, I think you're fooling yourself. Well, uh, if you watched uh, his wife, Millennia, on uh, with Anderson Cooper last night, uh, she said something that I thought was very revealing, and I think talks, you know, it, it explains the kind of person Donald Trump is. Uh, she said, um, I have two young, I have two boys at home, my young son and Donald, and Donald Trump behaves as he's a teenager, essentially. Uh, you know, hey, you know, I can't, you know, I, I didn't win, so I'm going to take my ball home and, you know, ball away and go home so no one could play. Uh, you know, he's just immature. Uh, and as the president said, you can't have someone like that uh, be commander-in-chief of the armed forces. Uh, and, you know, the, the, the probabilities are uh, he isn't, uh, but he's basically an immature adolescent. Uh, you know, I, it, it struck me, uh, you know, when that 
uh, entertainment TV uh, tape came out a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I thought uh, it was, uh, you know, and Trump has been defending it ever since uh, by saying it was locker room talk. And I think uh, he's probably right. Uh, it is the kind of locker room talk uh, you hear from high school boys, uh, but not the kind of talk you hear from grown men. And I, I just think uh, I just think Trump is uh, an adolescent. Uh, he doesn't have the maturity uh, to be an effective president, which is probably why he's not going to be president. Yeah, Brad, we're going to go to break here, but I'm going to read that quote because I thought it was very revealing, and we'll talk more about some of the things that Melania Trump said last night. Uh, quote, it's kind. this is during her interview with uh, Anderson Cooper. Uh, quote, it's kind of like two teenage boys. Actually, they should behave better, right? The potential first lady said about her husband and former Access Hollywood host Billy Bush. Cooper said he was 59, and Melania responded, correct. And then she said, sometimes I said I have two boys at home. I have my young son, and I have my husband. I know how some men talk. That's how I saw it. So pretty revealing there, as you said, Brad. Some other quotes we'll get to from that. We're also going to talk about uh, potentially one of the most disturbing quotes yesterday, and it didn't come from Donald Trump. It came for, it came from someone that Donald Trump has criticized as uh, not a real war hero, John McCain. Um, and McCain made an, an unprecedented statement yesterday that we're going to talk about regarding the Supreme Court. Uh, we're also going to get into uh, two other topics if we have time uh, as well, which are gerrymandering and President Obama's political future after. After, uh, his presidency, uh, which he's talking about, and the Koch brothers trying to pick up the ground game uh, for the Senate, where Donald Trump seems to be uh, missing out on having a real ground game. Uh, this is Mark Romaldi and Brad Bannon in for Leslie Marshall. You can join us at 888-6-LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543, and we'll be right back after this quick commercial break. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show, 888-6-LESLIE. Show. This is Mark Grimaldi and Brad Bannon in for Leslie Marshall. Before the break, we started to talk a little bit about Donald Trump's uh, wife, Melania Trump, giving uh, two interviews last night for uh, the first time since the uh, tape was revealed about Donald Trump bragging about uh, groping, <clears throat> uh, sexually assaulting women with Billy Bush on the Access Hollywood tape before all of the, uh, I, I believe it's almost 10 uh, women came out uh accusing Donald Trump of uh, groping or sexually assaulting them. And uh, in an interview with CNN's Anderson Cooper, uh, Melania Trump defended uh, her husband from the 2005 tape. Uh, she declared that it was Billy Bush's fault. It was, quote, boy talk, and he was led on like egged on from the host to say dirty and bad stuff, end quote. She also declared her husband's attack on Bill Clinton as fair game, saying the Clintons were, quote, asking for it after pictures of Melania's modeling career were reprinted uh, in the press. Uh, of course, she failed to mention that those were from the New York Post and a Republican super PAC during the GOP primary, not from Hillary Clinton, but facts don't seem to matter much to this couple, in my opinion. So uh, 
in addition to the comments you already mentioned, Brad, about these other two comments regarding her blaming Trump's uh, words on Billy Bush and then talking about how she thinks that it's uh, saying the Clintons were asking for it about uh, her husband's attacks on Bill Clinton is fair game. I just wanted to know your thoughts on these two, uh, two qu- quotes from Melania, Brad. Well, uh, first of all, this thing about Billy Bush, uh, neither Donald Trump, Donald Trump nor apparently members of his family take responsibility for anything stupid they do. Uh, you know, uh, I sort of, when I play tennis, I usually play doubles, and if I hit a bad shot, um, I'll turn around to my partner and say, my bad. Um, Donald Trump has never said, my bad. Uh, everything is someone else's fault. Uh, in this case, uh, it was uh, the devil and Billy Bush, apparently, who uh, led him to make these uh, abusive remarks um, about women. Uh, and it's just par, you know, it's just par for the course for Trump. He never, he never does anything wrong. It's always somebody else. Uh, and, you know, there's that, uh, when Harry Truman was president, he had a plaque on the desk in the Oval Office which said, the buck stops here. And with Donald Trump, the buck keeps going and never stops at him. Uh, and you can't have a president like that who can't take responsibility, uh, for his actions and decisions. Yeah, I mean, it does seem to be a problem with him accepting any responsibility. It, it always, I mean, I even remember when he gave the, uh, it's just so many things that have happened during this campaign, but when he gave the interview with Jake Tapper, where he initially refused to distance himself from former KKK Grand Wizard David Duke, I mean, he clearly didn't ask Jake Tapper to repeat any questions or give any sort of indicator that there was trouble with him hearing the interview, but then after he blamed it on a bad earpiece, it always seemed to be, you know, during the first debate uh, where, you know, many people, you know, the public poll, scientific polls had Hillary Clinton being favored as winning the debate by almost a two-to-one margin over that margin in a lot of cases. And once that came out, you know, he blamed it on microphone problems. Um, You know, it just seems like there's a lot of instances where he's refusing to accept responsibility. I mean, and this is while he's only running for president. You saw the problems that he's having just running a presidential campaign, yet he's asking the American people to trust him to run, you know, the entire country and be the leader of the free world. I just think it's problematic, and I find it very hypocritical critical and disappointing from Melania Trump that she would say this, um, yet the Trump campaign expects people to, you know, take the uh, people that they're trotting out accusing Bill Clinton um, of any sort of sexual assault seriously. But as SNL mocked this past Saturday, you know, when asking uh, Alec Baldwin, who was playing Trump, well, what about the women who have accused you uh, of sexual assault? And he goes, I think they should shut the hell up. And honestly, I mean, although Trump didn't say that directly, he's not, he doesn't have to say it in so many words. Um, we'll be back after the break if you want to join us. 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. This is Mark Romaldi and Brad Bannon in for Leslie Marshall. Welcome 
Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Grimaldi in for Leslie Marshall, joined by Brad Bannon. And we are going to uh, go to some calls now. Uh, first, we go to Doug, uh, who I believe is calling from California. Uh, Doug, are you there? Yes, uh, I'm calling from uh, East County of San Diego, Hamul. Oh, great. Thanks for calling in. And what, uh, what did you want to talk about today? You know, let's kind of leave the, the emotion behind here and just look at uh, the, the, our voting system, how it really works under the National Voter Registration Act of 1993 and the Help America Vote Act of 2002. Uh, we, there are no actual proof of citizenship requirements to register to vote. So in that sense, the system is rigged to allow dead people, felons, and non-citizens to actually vote without getting caught since the state is not looking for a non-citizen voter in the first place. They're allowed to go onto the voter rosters and eventually vote. There's, it's, it's hard to catch them, and they've been caught. So to say that they have not, uh, non-citizens haven't been caught or haven't been um, prosecuted is just not true. It's, the numbers are small, correct, but the truth is there are no proof of citizenship requirements to vote. Uh, the point has been brought up before, uh, so you know I'm happy you actually brought it up on the show here because it's relevant to what we're talking about today. Um, there's been claims of that by Donald Trump and uh, some of his surrogates like Rudy Giuliani, you probably heard uh, over this past week. Um, and I actually did some digging because I wanted to try to find uh, a nonpartisan fact-checking source uh, to discuss these claims. So let me just bring those up, Doug, and then we'll bring you and Brad back on to talk about them. Uh, first, there was an order. Let me just get my computer over here. Sorry, if you saw our studio set up, it's a little funny. But uh, there's a story from the Washington Post that says U.S. appeals court leaves proof of citizenship voting requirement to federal panel. And this was from September 26th. Um, and in this case, you know, you had arguments from the court. And the Kansas Secretary of State found in the case, this is just in Kansas, um, told the court that between 2003 and 2015, so that's 12 years, 18 non-citizens had tried to or successfully registered to vote, and only one of them attempted to use the federal form. So that's 18 over 12 years in the state of Kansas. Then in CNN, uh, which talked about this fact check, The article is from uh, today at 11.30. It's entitled Reality Check Trump's Claims of Large-Scale Voter Fraud. And the study that Trump's campaign claimed about illegal immigrants, uh, citing research conducted by Jesse Richmond and David Ernest, two professors at Old Domin Dominion University, is where this claim came from. Um, if you, uh, the watchdog group tallied what they believe were 40 votes cast by non-citizens in Philadelphia elections in 2013, 2014, and 2015. That's out of a total of more than 1.3 million votes who voted in those years. Hardly enough for a rounding error. Again, that's 40 votes out of 1.3 million. So according to the CNN fact check, uh, given the evidence that Trump has supported, they rate this claim that large-scale voter fraud exists as false. And then finally, 
uh, if you go to factcheck.org, uh, you can find that Larry Sabato, the director of the Center for Politics at the University of Virginia, said Trump uh, pointing to these voting anomalies as evidence of rigged election is laughable and even irresponsible allegation, quote, with no evidence at all. Trump is charging in the advance of the election that if he loses, it might well be uh, because the election is rigged. Um, and if you look at the stats at factcheck.org, it also proves that uh, this talking point uh, has been debunked uh, previously. So um, I appreciate the point you bring up, but nonpartisan fact-checking organizations uh, have found it. Like I said, if you look at Kansas, you had 18 uh, people over 12 years. And if you look at the city um, of Philadelphia, like I said, out of 1.3 million votes in three years, you had uh, 40 people. So I'm going to let you respond to that. How you doing? Happy Tuesday to you, Mark. And oh, Brad. sorry, Reggie, wrong guy. I'll go right back uh, to you. Sorry, Doug. Doug, go ahead, and then Brady can respond. I apologize. Doug, go ahead. Yeah, uh, I, I, I reject the claim that they're uh, nonpartisan or partisan because just recently there's been uh, articles that uh, in Virginia over uh, uh, eight over a thousand illegal voters have been found in in Virginia, in uh, Philadelphia, eighty six non citizens. Uh, there's a there's a report. That has actual voter fraud cases. What's your source? What's your source? Uh, okay, the the source is uh, Heritage Foundation. Eight hundred and seventy. The Heritage Foundation. Of- you just said nonpartisan. The Heritage Foundation is a right wing uh, th- conservative think tank. So that's not nonpartisan, sir. Well, I didn't say it was nonpartisan. Well, I'm you just, just said that-, that my sources were part non were not nonpartisan. I brought up factcheck.org, the Kansas Secretary of State. And CNN's fact check panel, and now you're bringing well, up the Heritage Foundation. How how is that? I'm not disagreeing with you that the Heritage Foundation is not a, not it is partisan. I'm not disagreeing with that. Then why are you using a partisan source? Why don't you? If because you it can be accurate. It's accurate. Right. Eight hundred seventy nine cases of actual voter fraud. I'll have to That's look it up. Accurate. I can't do live fact checking on air, just like Donald can Trump. I say something debate. here? Yeah, Brad, I'm going to let you jump in, but next time, Doug, if you want to come with a claim, you got to bring up a nonpartisan source, especially it's laughable that you would say that my sources were not nonpartisan. Brad, go ahead. Okay. Let me – I think any Republican who complains about vote rigging is a hypocrite. Let me give you an example from last week. As you probably know, Doug, a big hurricane uh, hit Florida. Uh, and uh, it happened just at the time where the uh, deadline for voter registration in Florida occurred. Uh, Several members of the state legislature asked Governor Scott, a Republican, to extend the deadline so people could still register the vote who were incapacitated by the the hurricane. Uh, The governor refused, uh, and a couple of days after the governor refused, uh, the uh, U.S. federal judge said that the uh, governor was denying uh, the right to vote to Floridians, so he ordered the deadline to be extended. If you look at almost any state with a Republican governor and a Republican state legislature, they are limiting voter hours. Uh, they are reducing the number of polling places. Uh, so uh, you want to talk about re-elections? Um, I'll uh, raise you on that one. If you also look at um, PolitiFact, they've rated previous claims by the Heritage Foundation 
uh, false. For instance, looking at their 2015 state-by-state breakdown of voter and election fraud conviction, uh, convictions, uh, they rated their claims false. So I think you need to find a more partisan source in the future, but thank you for your call. Uh, excuse me, nonpartisan source in the future, but thank you for your call, Doug. And great point brought up about uh, Florida, Brad. You know, they're in the wake of a hurricane, and the guy won't even extend uh, voter registration. It's clearly politically motivated, and I'm happy the court did the right thing there. And uh, now we do uh, are going to be able to, excuse me, go to Reggie uh, Indicator Georgia here. Uh, Reggie, go ahead with your thoughts. Oh, yeah, happy Tuesday to, to you and Brad, Mark. Well, Hi, Reggie. How you doing, Brad? Oh, how would you Fine. like to say? Me too. How would you like to say, why didn't most of these women who Donald Trump has sexually harassed and assaulted just, I don't know, why didn't they just, just haul off, bitch slap, drop kick them in the groin, run off, and reported it to 911? And why do these people like or such as Donald, Donald Trump himself and others think they can get away with it and are above the, think they're above the law because they're wealthy and powerful? And what if he did that to the wrong people or to the wrong women? What if he sexually harassed the wrong women? We won't put up with it. Well, so you can't do that to everybody and get away with no, it. No, I think I think you bring up a good point, Reggie. Um, you know, which is a lot of these women, I think rightfully so, said they were afraid of Donald Trump because of a how powerful he was, how much of an intimidating figure he was. The fact that he attacks people who do any sort of claims of wrongdoing against him uh, in court and and files massive lawsuits, drags people out. Uh, in public and attacks them, whether it's factually based or not. So I think definitely I I could see why these women would be frightened. And a lot of the women said once the tape came out, and they were afraid no one would believe them, once the tape came out where he bragged about sexually assaulting women, for them it was validation that people would be able to believe them now. And then for many, uh, they said the final straw was during the debate when Anderson, the second debate where Anderson Cooper questioned Donald Trump about whether or not this was just talk or if he had acted on what he said and he said he did not and for uh, multiple women it was enough and i think a perfect example of this is why women wait to come out is bill cosby i mean think about how many years went by and then finally you know it was like a domino effect once one woman had the you know the the courage to come out other women felt like they wouldn't be isolated so i think honestly a lot can be explained by that the other point which reggie had brought up to our call screener, Andrew, but not on air, was why did this not come out sooner about Donald Trump as far as research? And one thing that I found interesting, which I read uh, in an article uh, on thehill.com last week, is apparently Donald Trump blocked Corey Lewandowski, his previous campaign manager during the Republican primary, from doing an investigation on his background, which is standard for many political campaigns, so you know what people are going to attack you with. Trump blocked his own campaign manager from looking into his past. So I think that's you know a very strong uh, reason why a lot of these things didn't come out. Um, Brad, I'm going to let you comment on that, and then we're going to go to break and come back with uh, a couple okay. other topics. Uh, Reggie, I think all you have to do to answer your question is listen to what Donald Trump uh, said during the uh, Entertainment uh, Tonight videotape. At one point, he basically says, I'm rich, I'm rich, famous, and powerful. Uh, I can get away with doing this. Uh, and I think that's true. Uh, you know, you come out, uh, first of all, women, many women are reluctant to report sexual assault um, against anyone, uh, against any man, uh, because uh, they feel there's a stigma attached to it. Uh, and 
when you're talking about a rich guy who's very famous, uh, who has uh, high-powered lawyers on retainer, uh, you're going to be, you know, it's going to be very intimidating to report these things. And I think once uh, a couple of women came out, once the Entertainment Tonight video came out, a lot of women, and I mean a lot of them, who have been abused by Donald Trump, uh, it gave them the courage to come out uh, and say what he had done to them. And again, it's not locker room talk. When you talk about groping, you know, he was boasting about groping women. It wasn't just talk. He was boasting about groping women. Uh, that's not locker room. That's sexual assault. Uh, and uh, I'm just glad these women, I think, inspired by uh, Trump admitting sexual assault, uh, decided to come out and, uh, you know, report what he had done to them. Yeah, I think, you know, Michelle Obama hit the nail on the head when she discussed that last week. Uh, one other point to Doug's previous point about voter fraud. Uh, I just found another article from PolitiFact in response to uh, Texas Governor Greg Abbott's claim that voter fraud is rampant, being rated pants on fire uh, from PolitiFact, which is their highest uh, rating for a lie. Um, the st- one of the studies they cite found that four cases of fraud for 72 million votes cast in Texas uh, from 2000 and 2014, it makes it that the voter fraud was about one in 18 million. So if, if you can't put an exclamation point on that, I don't know what you can uh, put one on. And uh, when we get back, we're going to talk about uh, John McCain, Senator McCain's comments regarding Supreme Court nominees after the break. If you'd like to join us, the number to do so is 888-6LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. Mark Grimaldi and Brad Bannon in for Leslie Marshall. And we'll be right back after this quick commercial break. You're listening to The Leslie Marshall Show. Truth for all sides of the spectrum. 888-6-LESLIE. Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Romaldi and Brad Bannon in for Leslie Marshall. We're going to go right to the calls. Uh, anybody who wants to call in now, we still have two lines open. We'll get to you if you call in now, 888-6-LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. Uh, on the topic of voter fraud, we have uh, Linwood in Charlottesville, Virginia, who wanted to comment on that. Linwood, welcome to the show, and thank you for your call. Go ahead with your thoughts, please. Well, thank you for letting me come on the show. I was telling your screener that the Republican Party is primarily just trying to keep things the way they are. We all like to talk about the issue of race, but, you know, because I've changed a lot since my last time calling the show. But it takes a human family to make the world a better place. And I think the Republicans are in the mindset that only one segment of the human family is the human race and the, and the only people that can solve all the world's problems. And this is what's causing all the world's problems is the divide and conquer between members of the of one race, and that's the human race. So they try this these tactics with voter fraud and suppression, and it's got people really angry. I never saw so much anger in the country as I'm seeing now. And nobody talks to each other. Nobody speaks to each other, and they don't want to speak to people because this is how they keep power is dividing the human family on the basis of the pigmentation of skin, where you live at. Um, let's lock ourselves in suburban gated communities to keep us away from the other segment of the human family that may not share our values. 
And this is why we have the problems we have, and this is why they want to continue to keep the same things going over and over and over again and expect that they're going to solve the problems of America with a segregationist mindset. Yeah, I would cre- I would completely agree with you, and I would even extend that to sexual orientation, religion, because, Lynn, what I know personally, you know, when you meet someone, of whether it's a different race or a different sexual orientation or a different religion, and you haven't met those people before, if you've been sheltered, it really opens up your eyes because it's a real person. So a lot of these people who have these hard mindsets who you see change, it's because they then met someone or know someone in their life who is of that affiliation, and it opens up their eyes, like you said, about about the human family. And I think that's such a strong point. Uh, quickly, because we don't have a whole lot of time, I want to try to get to everyone here. We go next to, and thank you, Linwood, for your call, Peter in uh, New Mexico. Welcome, Peter, and go ahead with your thoughts, please. Hey, good, Peter. Thanks for calling in. Go ahead with your thoughts, please. Quick comment on the um, interview last night. And um, at one point she said that living with Donald Trump's like living with her 10-year-old son. I thought she kind of summed up the whole thing. Do you really want a 10-year-old guy in the White House? It is really scary. I mean, if you think about the way he acts and then you compare it to a 10-year-old, I mean, his aggression when something doesn't go his way, uh, the fact that he doesn't seem to have any, you know, empathy or emotional maturity, it really is is frightening. I think she kind of summed it up right there, you know. I think she really did. And that's his wife, you know, and she's supposed to be giving an interview defending him. And she she was honest about it, you know, about everything, and that's how she really feels. Yeah, I think it's a great point, uh, Peter, and I really appreciate you calling in. Thank you so much. Uh, next, we're going to go to Debbie uh, in Arizona. Debbie, thank you very much for calling in, and uh, go ahead with your thoughts. Um, hi, yeah. Um, I heard you guys talking about the Donald Trump and the sexual assault thing and um, how you know it opened the floodgates when one woman had the courage to come out. And it just really bothered me how you know he's been accused for years of doing this and especially when it comes to the apprentice and there were people around him who were very powerful the producers of the show heard the way he treated women on that show for years there were people in the Miss Universe pageant the people in Miss Teen who were powerful men especially around him who could have stopped him years ago, who knew how he was treating women, and those were the people that did nothing. Those were the people without courage. That's such a good point. That's such a good point. I mean, those, like you said, those were the people without courage because anyone who had spoken out or would try to to speak out would be, you know, they they would try to silence them. And even now... I mean, you just you just made the point. Uh, I think it's MGM is sitting on the the tapes of the apprentice apprentice that didn't make the air. So those people who are in power are still doing it even after these things have been brought to the public. So Debbie, I want to thank you so much for calling in just due to time. I'm going to give Brad. Uh, we got about 90 seconds left. Go ahead with your final thoughts, please. Well, if I had to sum up the discussion uh, we had in this hour, Mark, I would say the gist of it is that Donald Trump is a bully uh, who feels correctly, I guess, that he can get away with anything because he's rich, powerful, and famous. Well, he's finding out now that you're in a whole different ballgame when you run for president and under a lot more scrutiny than he's ever received before.
Yeah, I think you sum it up well, Brad. And I think, you know, thankfully, uh, you know, these women are finally receiving the, you know, attention that they deserve as far as people listening to them with, you know, an open mind about what happened. It's uh, Debbie's right. It's sad that it took this for, you know, at these women to be believed in that these other people who were complicit in allowing this behavior to continue to occur. I mean, other people had to have known. I mean, Debbie makes such a good point. With this many instances, there's no way that, you know, no one else knew. So I think it's a very good point. Uh, Brad Bannon, you can follow him on Twitter at Brad Bannon, B-R-A-D-B-A-N-N-O-N. You can listen to him on Fridays with Leslie from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern most weeks. This week he's going to be off uh, as far as Friday, but he'll be back next week. Uh, This is Mark Grimaldi in for Leslie Marshall. And coming up next, we've got Nicholas Wapshot, international editor of Newsweek. And you will be able to hear him talk with uh, many different guests on many different political topics. We'll be right back.